Welcome to The Business Grind, where we give you an inside perspective on what it takes to start, build, and run a successful business. Here are your hosts, Danny Shaw and Sean Michael Wellington. Hello to everyone in podcast land today. Thanks for joining us. Sean, how are you feeling? Feeling pretty good. It's great to be back, and I'm hyped to dive into our first book review. All right, so let's go. Uh, so today's episode, we're going to review the book, The Lean Startup, and discuss a few key concepts and takeaways that we got from it and how they can be applied to your business journey. Um, so for those of you who may not be aware, The Lean Startup is one of the most celebrated business books of recent time. If you haven't read it, you've probably heard about it or seen it on people's bookshelves when they try to make themselves look smart in regards to starting a business. Right. Um, the book is written by Eric Rise. He's a former software engineer who co-founded Social Media Network and later went on to become a startup advisor at a large venture capitalist firm. The Lean Startup combines ideas from lean manufacturing and value-creating practices to reduce wasteful habits. The strategy offers entrepreneurs and companies of all sizes a way to test their vision continuously and allow them to be able to adapt and adjust before it's too late. Yeah, so even though this book may be designed for product creators, um, I find it personally that the methods are very applicable to YouTubers, Instagrammers, musicians, artists. I think the rules apply to all creative fields as well as product and you know tech. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I think this book provides great insight on why a lot of businesses fail, what's needed to be done in order not to fail, and how there's even value and lessons to learn from failure as well. Right. So I don't want to waste any time. I want to jump right in because I think there's a lot to talk about. So first thing I'll ask you, Danny, I guess, is how you reacted to different parts of the book. It was broken up into basically three sections. Right. Um, Well, you know, overall, the book in general, I responded very well to all the areas of the book. But uh, one of the stories that I connected with was the story that he told when he was arguing with his partners because they weren't clear on what the next moves were for their failing business, right? So mm-hmm. reading that passage drew me in on the story, reminded me of my own past business partnerships that I've been in. I was in a similar situation where the money was running low, the current game plan to make the business successful wasn't working as expected, while also knowing that there wasn't a plan to get us in a better place, right? So I felt like I was reading through my own experiences very early on, which drew me in and wanted me to keep reading more about it mm, okay. um, you know another part of the book that drew me in was about vanity metrics you know especially in tech uh and you know when we're looking for opportunities with, within our business we often pay too much attention to the wrong metrics like signups or page views while these metrics may look good in isolation you know these stats alone don't move the needle in regards to growing a business okay so that's i was gonna say let's define vanity metrics for our audience so that's basically what's an example of one like vanity you know i don't want to just get too tech specific but vanity metrics is a metric that may look good on the surface it's like Mm -hmm. a stat to show a story to put you in a favorable light but it really doesn't mean much without context of the whole story right Mm -hmm. so for instance um let's say okay page views like I had a million pages, right? But if you, so in isolation, it might look like a million pages is a good number. But if you start asking some other additional metrics on top of that, you know, it might reveal a different story. Like of those million page views, how long did they stay on the site? If they was only on the site for two seconds or, you know, less than a minute, then that might show that there might be a problem with the site, you know? So, yeah. oh yeah, we had a million pages, but how many people were there, you so, know? Um, so it's like metrics or like stats it's without like, qualification. Yeah, it's, it's, it's basic stats, to be quite honest, but used in that 
in that realm, you know. And it's this isn't nothing new. You think right. about like television, print media, you know, yeah. all these things. It is 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 not a new concept. The the difference is, I think, um, on the digital front, you can get more of those insights faster, you know, and uh, and 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 it's a little bit more deeper than than other traditional media like television and magazines. You know? So let me ask you. I get, I guess, a philosophical question. Would you consider Instagram likes a vanity metric? Because now, before you answer, because, <laughs> I mean, um, you know, Instagram has been uh, experimenting with taking away the likes right, right. Um, to prevent bullying. But a lot of the creators are upset because that's how they sell to, to brands and that's how they make their revenue. So right. in that regard, I mean, someone could consider it a real metric because you're actually making profit from it. You're using it to sell the people. But or are vanity metrics used in that regard, too? Like, could it still be used even though there's no... Inherent value to the metric, right? So here's the thing: value is an eye of the beholder, True. right? Yeah, so who am I to say, oh, that's a vanity metric or not? Um, especially with social media, you get you start getting into a very dicey game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially when it's all about the likes and the resharing and reposting, and but it's more than just that, you know. A lot of times, what you hear, a lot of the buzzwords is engagement, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what's the engagement like? So, if I only have two thousand likes, but my engagement, I have a high engagement rate. You know, that's from my perspective a little bit more value than having twenty thousand likes, but nobody's commenting. Yeah, right? I've, and I've heard creators say that that the engagement it helps them sell a lot right. better than the likes and the views do because exactly. they're seeing the audience is engaged with the content. Right. Commenting, etc. So. Mm-hmm. And also, engagement is such a broad term. It's like, well, what type of engagement? If people are just commenting, that's great. But if the goal is to sell and no one's clicking in the bio, clicking, then yeah. that's still the wrong type of engagement. Right. That I'm not, you know, why is it only that they're commenting but they're not clicking through to what I'm ultimately trying to achieve, which is some sales? So it's all relative in context to the story, but um, definitely liked how he broke down looking at the right metrics in order to um, grow the business. And then you, you answered it a little bit, but are vanity metrics designed to help stock prices and advertisers, you think? Like, where did it come from? Where did somebody say, I want to do vanity metrics today? You know what I mean? Well, like, see, that's the thing. You know, I don't think you'll ever find someone saying, yeah, I'm just focusing on man- vanity metrics. Mm-hmm. And we'll even identify it as such. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think sometimes we just get caught in our bubble. And we're trying to sell a story. We're trying to sell success. And like with all stats and you know numbers, what's the numbers that's best gonna prove our point in the best light? But right. you know, so in in the basic sense, yes. Short answer probably is yes because you gotta it's business and you have to sell, right? Mm-hmm. What's gonna sell? Showing how big and successful. So in a sense, you know, oh, we got x amount of impressions, x amount of eyeballs. This is our reach. This is everything. So mm-hmm. in a sense, kinda yeah, it is used to help sell and tell a story. Right, telling a story to an advertiser, but if you're trying to grow that business, you shouldn't. You gotta do a little bit more than that for your own self, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what about you? What part of the book stood out to you? Um, well, for me personally, I love the lesson he told um, about your initial offering and how mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be your final offering. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I thought, I think again, applying this to creatives, mm-hmm. that's such a powerful lesson because mm-hmm. very often many of us will either take too much time trying to make something perfect when mm-hmm. we can put out something imperfect but it will still serve the goal we want whether it's engagement or or awareness mm-hmm. or 
promotion, whatever it is, mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't have to be the final offering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he went into a lot of detail and gave some examples about how your initial offering doesn't have to be your final product. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a one really cool story he told. Um, I'm paraphrasing him a little, but he talked about um, this avatar mm-hmm. in, in his um, in that software application. Basically, it was a social networking thing. But um, the avatar, which they weren't really focused on, ended up being like the main value offering of the whole app. So it's just funny how when you do a minimum offering mm-hmm. like you can learn what your audience really wants like we have in our heads what the audience wants but until you have data to back it up or you know verify or whatever right. it's useless so it's just an idea in your head so i really like that lesson mm-hmm. about learning what your initial offering what learning what the goal of it should be mm-hmm. and then bridging that gap between your initial offering and your final offering so right, right. no definitely i i would agree i think a lot of times we have this we have a vision of the quote-unquote finish line on what it should be of yeah. the final product and then you know we definitely get caught up with a lot of the success stories and say like, oh well it's a polished uh mm-hmm. you know product, final product but yeah. what i always you know like to say is check don't look at the final product of a company that you look up to look at what how they were when they first came out like That's if you look smart. at amazon's first website <laughs> first you know you can you can access that and be like wow that's it looked very very trash. Mm-hmm. Like uh-huh. I wouldn't even be comfortable giving my putting my credit card information to that, <laughs> to that website. Of, like yeah. you know that it is now. But now we look at a Amazon and what it is now as you can't live without it. All we do is buy and access it for everything, right? And they built that value through what decades? Not, yeah, not even right. years. It was exactly. decades. So exactly. Um, another uh, thing which you're familiar with actually that stood out to me book was the Power of the Five Wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually gonna ask you to see, you know, your opinion on that since you kind of do that. Um, you kind of teach that. Right. Um, so yeah, the power of the five whys was like I knew of the five whys, like mm-hmm. just as a practical application. Right. But seeing them spelled out and applying it to every situation, mm-hmm. I, something I never thought of to do before this. So, right. um, what's your experience with it? Well, I mean, I'm just I'm a big I'm a big fan of the five whys. You know, um, not just in work and business, but even in my own life. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I find myself asking. What's the real reason? reason why, do, yeah. why do I feel this way? Why why am I mad at this? <laughs> why am I so, um, yeah. you know, like, or well, why did I forget something if I'm constantly doing something? That, if I'm constantly doing something that's even annoying me, like my own behavior, I'm like, well, why? 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 Yeah. Um, so, you know, as far as that, I'm just a big fan of it in all aspects of life and using it as a tool to get to the root cause of things. So in business and business problems or issues, it's... I just think it's a good tool, you know. Essentially, you you identify what a problem is, but in order to get to the root cause, you ask why five times, like a five year old, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, why? Well, why? And usually, by the fifth why, you will get to a deeper understanding of what the root is. You know, I mean, you can kind of do it forever, you know, but if you want to make an impactful uh, modification and change to a, a problem and really understand why. Uh, I just think it's a great tool and it's a great exercise to really understand. And it helps lead to, um, as I like to say, real change. Like, mm-hmm. substantial. it's not, you're not just addressing the surface level symptoms. You're the getting to metrics. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting to the root of, of the cause of the issue. So, yeah. Can you give our audience, because I, I think we've explained the concept, but I feel like. I want to hear an example. What's oh wow? Let's, right can, we take a business, can we take a business problem and <laughs> oh, do a five wise to it? Oh, yeah, shoot. like um, all right. So my I want to I want to create a I want to create a YouTube video for 
my business. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I want to build awareness for my business. Mm-hmm. Why? Our sales are down. Mm-hmm. Why? Because more people aren't coming into the stores. Mm-hmm. Why? Because not enough people know about the business. Right. So I, I, that's, I don't know if that's that, a great that, example. That could be, you know, that can definitely be an example. I'm pulling that out of my ass. Yeah, you, you know, so yeah, so that kind of threw me off. Like, oh, so, um, no, definitely that could be as an, an example. I will say for me, you know, I usually try to relate it to a human, mm. uh, a hum- human scenarios like okay. our daily lives instead of a business. Um, just because even as a business, for people that's not familiar, they'll just start picking things apart, like or or kind of using it the wrong way. So mm. let's say, for instance, we're gonna get we're gonna get a little heavy for a minute. A person keeps getting sick, right? Um, they keep catching a cold. And they keep going to the doctor, but they're just being prescribed the uh, cough syrup or medicine or whatever, right? Um, so the doctor's really only treating the cough syrup. The, the, I'm sorry, the, the cough, cough, the cold, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not really the root of the problem. You, you ask why. Well, you know, Danny keeps catching a cold. And you say, well, why? Oh, um, Danny's not dressing appropriate for the weather, right? Okay. <laughs> why isn't why? Danny dressing appropriate for the weather? Well, Danny doesn't have the actual appropriate clothes in a coat and the one type of clothes for the weather, right? Um, well, why doesn't he have that? Um, well, Danny isn't employed. <laughs> I mean, like, you, I mean, it's, it's so getting, getting deeper. deeper. Well, then, a... Danny isn't employed, right? Well, why isn't Danny employed? You know, because of the market. You know, just yeah. that's where, you know, so... It's a dig deep in You dig into it's like, well, the doctor keep, can keep giving me the medicine, but until I get employed or whatever and get the money to start really wearing warm you know the appropriate clothes if you know the then i'm, I'm gonna keep getting um so yeah so not to bring it down but <laughs> no but that's a great example though because <laughs> yeah because yeah, because it's showing you how you get deeper in the layers of whether that personal situation or right. the business it's and, uh yeah so right and i think that was four wise but anyway you get the gist. yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's that's how i usually relate it to it mm-hmm. there was a couple themes uh there's a lot of themes in the book right, um right. But um, some of the ones that you felt stood out the most to you? Um, the creating value, um, but also just creating value, which I think a lot of times is hard for a lot of businesses to do or even understand, especially if you're starting out. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't, we don't really know what value is. We just know a lot of times I think a lot of people get hit with that d- debug and say, I just want to start a business. It's a good idea and everybody is going to love it because... I love it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know, you really have to think about well, how are you creating value for the people that you are trying to serve, and you know, would ultimately want to help, you know, and and that's kind of hard initially. Um, we just think, oh, well, it's a good idea, and especially if you're in the bubble and all your other friends are telling, you, yeah, 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 it's a great idea, you know, and they're supporting you. And it, again, it might really be a great idea, but how do you communicate that value to a consumer and to grow? Um, I would also think. Um, Another big theme that I pulled out from the book was the communication. Okay. I really think a lot of, I, I, I feel like a lot of problems, business problems and personal problems is due to communication. Communication <laughs> internally, communication with oh, the with yeah. their uh, consumer, with their audience, I, what do you think? I, all, all of it. Like, to okay. be quiet, you know, you may have a great product, but if you're not create, uh, communicating the, the benefit and value to these consumers, it's lost on them, right? It, yeah. they like, I don't. If you can't communicate and connect with them on why this product or service is good and why they need it, um, it's kind of a lost cause, right? Um, 
you and your partner, you, you need to communicate what the goal and the vision is for the company. You know, what are we looking at? Uh, what's the game plan three months, six months from now? Maybe mm-hmm. you don't, you know, you probably don't have a five-year plan, but at least on the same page about, hey, this is where we're trying to go, right? I know personally, communication-wise, and reflecting back on my past <laughs> business arrangements that mm-hmm. didn't succeed, it wasn't about skill. It wasn't about uh, people not pulling their weight. It was always a about it boiled down to the communication you know communicate what the expectation is what the goals are and, and the, the even the division of work you know so yeah okay so what i want to jump into like the goals a little so yeah, yeah. one of the big things another great thing that they talked about in the book that um i've applied since i read it mm-hmm. is the feedback loop mm-hmm. um so and a big thing that they recommend is accelerating the feedback loop mm-hmm. um so what that means and danny i'm gonna let you clean up my definition no go for it um, go for it but go basically for it. you know any product or service you have you have a feedback loop with your with your audience to mm-hmm. tell you what they like about it, what they don't like about it, and then you have to go back, take those learnings, and improve your product or service. Mm-hmm. And that's my that's how I would define the right. feedback loop. Yeah. Is that I would, accurate? I would say that's pretty accurate. You know, you take the feedback and you keep tweaking and adjusting as needed. Um, but I, you know, just I think we need to make a distinction. It doesn't necessarily mean you're designing or you're making changes to your product word for word based off what they said. Right. right, it's right. you're taking the insights from what they're saying and seeing how can you modify and adjust it, right? Yes. Because they don't really know. A lot of times, they don't even know what they really what they want, want mm-hmm. but they're telling you their pain points and frustrations with their current situation. And it's your job to take that information and make it to what they want. Yeah. Right, exactly. Somebody um, said it best. I'm stealing the way he phrases it. There's, there's data-driven mm-hmm. actions and there's data-informed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like data-driven is not necessarily the right thing because you're just going off of the data and right. you don't know what it means. But right. data-informed, you know what this data means and you know what you're trying to get out of out of it basically right. and you no, know, yeah that's no that's it. it but you know and i know right now it, i'm as i'm thinking through it it kind of sounds like it's strictly for um you you really only apply that from a, a data or digital or tech perspective or if, if you're offering a tech service or product but you know to be quite honest this you can apply this to any type of business yeah, <laughs> you know any definitely. type of business what are your customers thinking what do they need you know? i think febreze was the example in the book right but, febreze yeah. initial initial um product offering was mm-hmm. what it still is is just to to eliminate odors mm-hmm. but it didn't it wasn't connecting to the audience they right. weren't the, the the consumer they weren't feeling that feeling of okay my house is clean now and they realized that just adding the little scent to it mm-hmm. made it, it it just added something mentally it's mm-hmm. like it's like you know it's deeper than that it's psychological but mm-hmm. it's part of your business it's like adding that scent to it at the end of your and making it a ritual making mm-hmm. it at the end of your cleaning experience mm-hmm. that's what had the sales you know exponentially grow is when they added that part of it so right. and they couldn't have done that without accelerating their feedback loop getting that information faster so I'll pose a question to you they talk a lot about accelerating the feedback loop what are some ways in your business that you've done that like you've accelerated how you get feedback from your customers and pivot i you know i'm fortunate where now well i've learned from a lot of my mistakes right mm-hmm. so there's times when i've created products i've invested money into creating a product and getting a whole assembly line you know figuring out how i'm gonna get this created mm-hmm and then offered it and was like, well, nobody brought it. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. I thought it was a great idea. You know, you get a few people. But um, I would say, you know, to be quite honest, online is, is a good 
is a good um source yeah. to just create like a nice little focus group and pool and just, to be clear not just throwing it into the abyss of the online you know qualified qualified like yeah mm-hmm. definitely qualified leads and, and qualified people who's going to give you some honest real feedback on, on what you're offering and and if you know get a test group as well if you're selling things what i usually um would recommend nowadays if you're selling something definitely just create a page and a sign up page and 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 see how many people would even pay for the product prior you know get a demo get a prototype set up a quick simple page you know your copy and everything get those leads see how many people would actually buy it you can set up those metrics on the back end just to see well if they landed on a page that they added to the cart how far did they go Mm. did did they not complete the process if Mm -hmm. not you know what's the drop off looking like that's going to give you a lot of insight and you can definitely follow up and you know see well what was the reason and why what happened um and, and things like that and even before that just do you recommend like surveys or like Survey Monkey or beforehand? Yeah, or? for sure. Survey Monkey, Google Google Docs. You know mm-hmm. anything that's going to provide that that quick, fast, you know, group. You know, not it, it can be individual, but just that quick, fast feedback loop to keep tweaking and, and seeing what what's going to work initially out the gate to create something to keep growing with and, and creating some type of value. One concept I was always taught doing video was. When you get a note, mm-hmm. what's the note behind the note, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they write something, but what do they really mean by mm-hmm. what they're writing? Mm-hmm. And I feel like this might apply to this, too. It's like, whatever your feedback is from your consumers, it might not necessarily, like you said earlier, don't do verbatim what they right, say, per right, se. Because right, right. sometimes we don't even know how to translate what we want. Mm-hmm. So it's more so understanding, all right, what is what is the message behind what they wrote? Right. Um, and applying it to your business. I would think, so even in regards to the feedback, you're right. I just, I was in a meeting, I think last week, and, you know, one of the stakeholders, she, I was trying to get to the root of what she was ultimately trying to achieve. I mm-hmm. wasn't really concerned with the solution or what her vision of the solution was. Not to be dismissive, but just saying, hey, let's not worry about what it's going to look like and just let help me understand what, what you, you want. want in the end and then we can work on a solution in and, and yeah. then see, you know, I'll come back with something, you come back with something, keep getting that feedback until we get to a good place. Yeah. You're right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. so I mean, those, um, I think I cut you off, so no, sorry. No. But yeah, those were like some of the strongest, just the feedback loop and accelerating it. Mm-hmm. I really took that lesson to heart because I think it does apply to video very much so mm-hmm. in terms of you put a promo out there, you can get instant comments and instant data on what people liked about it, what people didn't like about it, and you can apply that really fast to a, a new version, a new draft, and stuff like that. So, right. um, but that's just on a small, minute scale mm-hmm. of video. But mm-hmm. I think it could apply to a whole business as well. Right, 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 all right. So, what did you? Uh think you had some points about. You know, you mentioned the MVP before earlier. Mm-hmm. What What are you? Um, well, just um, similar, just knowing that your MVP, um, you know, you don't have to get to it right away. Right. Um, it, you take steps to figure out what that needs to be once. Um, and for every for everyone new to this stuff, let me spell out the acronym. MVP right. is minimum viable product, right? Right. Or right. Va- does it value sometimes? Some minimum viable product. Viable yeah. Product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like the smallest unit. That you can sell, basically. It's like yeah. if you're a cameraman, it's, you know, an hour of you holding that camera. That's that's your service that you're mm-hmm. selling. That's your MVP. If mm-hmm. you're a product designer, if you're an app designer, it's, you know, 
the the minimal um the, the app the ui and the ux of it that's mm-hmm. probably what your mvp is right so um so yeah i thought i learned a lot about just going into what your first thing that you're selling to the audience is going to be and how it doesn't have to be your last thing um mm-hmm. oh yeah i will you know and in regards to the mvp i think what happens i can just speak for personal experience when i try to have conversations about mvp and discussing what that looks like a lot of times people may not react favorably to that why do you think that is because it's like it's a basically it's a strip down of your grand vision right Mm. so you you somebody say well i want to do this and i want to take over the world and Mm. i want to be on oprah and i want to you know my business and then that's great i was like hey let's go but where do you start because even oprah didn't start at Oprah's level, right? No, like, yeah. we, and uh, uh, I go think that goes back to people. She had to beat Donahue first, right? <laughs> exactly. So I think that goes back to people wanting the the end result, but without really understanding the journey. So when you strip down the the grand idea and say that we can, we're, we'll get there, we'll definitely get there. But where do we start off first? What's the minimal valuable item mm-hmm. that we can just start to get the ball moving? And I think for a lot of people, it feels like. You're trying to you're trying to knock me down or take my you know why are you hating on my dreams or <laughs> something like that. But it's not that it's right. you have to break down your dreams into smaller little digestible little dreams. Yeah. yeah, little digestible pieces. Yeah. Um, because you just you need you're not going to start moving until you are able to connect with the audience and a a base of consumers or customers that's going to keep yeah. feeling it, feel, feeling that. Right. Yeah. Um. So you um. So you're talking about MVP. So. Another thing in the book, they talk about value hypothesis versus growth and growth mm-hmm. hypothesis. Right, right. So um, I'm trying to understand the concept of growth hypothesis a little better. Do you have an example? So I think growth hypothesis is uh, like, like growth hypothesis where a lot, especially now, these companies, a lot of these company strategies is like they just want to grow, mm-hmm. right? They just want to grow at all costs. You know, they waste. I don't say waste, but they spend a lot of money, right? Yeah. They spend a lot of money. Uh, For rapid expansion. Yeah, of. yeah. And so it's just like, oh, well, think of, what is it, like a Uber, I guess, you know, or Groupon. Groupon. Like okay. they, you know, spent a lot of money on, and I don't even want to really focus on the money, but they just spent a lot of effort and resources on growing to mm-hmm. acquire a whole bunch of users. And the strategy was we grow to a point where we capture all these users, once we got them, we'll kind of turn the corner right, right? Um, right. and start making them more profitable. Um, and that's fine, but you know, in a situation like that, the value was never really um, established. right? Um, and when there's no real value, what we see in those scenarios where value hasn't never been um, established, you have a lot of companies that grew. They grew fast, had a lot of growth, but they didn't have a valuable co- product, so mm-hmm. the, the companies just died. And that right. goes into the value hypothesis. It's right. like, um, I mean, in my opinion, I would think you need to focus on both, right? You need right. to know the rate you're growing and what your goals are, how big you want to be, but you also got to see what the value is that your company or your product is bringing. Right. So, I mean, it feels like incomplete, one without the other almost to me. Um, but maybe there's some examples of a business that can focus on one more than the other. I guess Amazon might be a, an example. I will be all right. So you have, when you do the growth hypothesis, you need to determine a plan for growth and create an 
the assumptions for growth, right? Yeah. Because it's just like, well, how do what's the plan for hyper growth if you haven't established the value? The value, yeah. Right? Um and for me, I will shoot um I hope people don't come kill me in the comments in the first episode <laughs> already. But uh I'm coming from a perspective of establishing value first and that's just me. Um I think if you establish value then the growth will come. Mm-hmm. That's just, and I think it it's puts you in a better position for long term growth by establishing that value and just you know longevity. You know, I just think for me, that's just I don't want to be a flash in the pan. I'd rather be, and this is a personal perspective. I would yeah. rather be, you know, a smaller circle, but I'm I'm my service and product is valuable. To a core people that's going to continuously give me money and mm-hmm. or uh, you know um, you know give give me business mm-hmm. as opposed to f- for a long term give me business in a long stretch of time and referrals and things like that yeah. as opposed to a business where I I blew up overnight super growth everybody knows about me but it goes back to the vanity metrics everybody know about me but. <laughs> The real me- the real metric is that balance sheet, and it's not really happening. But everybody know about me, and then two years from now, I got to close down shop because I never established that value mm-hmm. with, with it. Um, and I think did you ask me? You asked about an uh, example, right? Um, if yeah, if you have an example uh, of right. a growth I hypothesis, think, well, I, I think I'm I'm biased. I think Mailchimp did a great job of establishing a value proposition first, okay. and then leveraging that to growth, um, especially in this day of uh, you know tech. Startups and hyper valuation and taking mm-hmm. on venture capitalism, money. Mailchimp was very, you know, very strategic in how they funded their business, the value that they was offering. It was basically focused on small businesses that couldn't compete with these major corporations for their newsletter and marketing campaigns and mark and, and advertising needs and mm-hmm. the list. You know, and as we know, small businesses are like hyper. You know the rate of uh, growth in this economy. I mean, in this country, for small businesses, like you know, tremendous. They created value within the small business community first and foremost. Yeah. You know, offering great service, great tools, and so forth. And then what started happening? You got the small businesses, and you providing a good service and product, and people are paying. No issues here. Medium-sized business started coming through, mm, right? Mm-hmm. They started, they, and as it wasn't like they just offered this one service, they kept adding on to their products. They kept mm. adding on to their offering, and they started getting medium-sized businesses, and you know, bigger. It, it just grew it's over. Grew. Ten, so then, over ten years now, it took them ten years, right? But yeah. look where they're at now. Yeah. Now, the any, anybody that's trying to start a business, you're gonna more than likely you need to set up a MailChimp account and start right. using their services. Now, of course, there's other products and companies on the market that will offer something similar, but right now we all are very familiar with a MailChimp-type uh, scenario and how it has grown. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good example. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, value and growth mm-hmm. definitely work hand-in-hand, mm-hmm. hand, um, and then you got to have a hypothesis for both. You got to right. know where you're going. Um, so you talked a lot about your own business perspective. So mm-hmm. just in general, what have been some of the key takeaways you learned from your own business failures? Oh yeah, I love failures. Nah, <laughs> I love learning. I love learning. Love I, I love learning, learning from it. Um, you know, I would definitely say that great communication with your partners may be you know more important than if you actually have a good product. To be quite honest, I feel like I felt like I've worked on multiple projects, not just 
business ventures that were my own, but just even on teams and with companies that had great ideas for great products. But, you know, the communication, which leads to the execution, just wasn't, it was, you know, fell a little flat, which mm-hmm. is, it is, it's not easy. I think a lot of people just assume um, that it's easy, you know, but great communication partners may be more important than having a good product, I kind of would say that, which is a strong hill to die on. But uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. your business has got to grow, yeah. right? So yeah, I, I really feel like it's the key to solving a lot of company problems. What about uh, you? Um, well, for me, I definitely agree on the communication end. Um, I think, especially within, obviously within the the organization, mm-hmm. you got to communicate cross functionally. Um, but just going back to the whole idea of um, accelerating the feedback loop, I think speed mm-hmm. and quality are allies, especially in this day and age. Everything's so fast. And granted, you don't want to rush your product. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that. Mm-hmm. But I think speed in terms of efficacy being e- efficient and like getting your thing out as possible with as minimal delays, no mm-hmm. unnecessarily delays, you know, without sacrificing the quality, are I think speed and quality and communication are all allies. They all work together. Right. Um, so that's kind of been the biggest takeaway for me from the whole book is just telling me how um, products, whether you're creative, whether you're a business owner, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that those three things are always going to be something that you need to focus on: communication, speed, and quality. Huh. You know, uh, I, I might I might have to disagree on yeah? one area. Um, Which one? Speed? Yeah. It is the speed area I'm going to have to disagree with. And I think that might have more to do with just my personal energy. Because mm-hmm. I definitely understand why speed is definitely at a priority or premium. Yeah, it's at a premium it, now. It definitely is at a premium. Um, but, you know, I just do think sometimes we are, we're so time obsessed mm-hmm. culturally wise and as a society right now. And then, you know, they always say hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Um, but just looking at how much time we... Like, sometimes speed defeats the quality. It does. Right? It <laughs> sure like, does. So, I got to do this ASAP. And you, you put that pressure on yourself to, like, you know, especially in the, in the world we live in with the 30 under 30, the 40 under 40. So, you feel like you got to speed and got to get this business going. And yeah. it, I think it really impacts the quality and the value that you're trying to provide. Well, now, now I'll push back in, in terms of sometimes the speed, and if you're not fast enough to what the market or to the audience, whatever it is, will affect the value. Well, see, okay, good question. So you, I can see where being speed, you know, where speed is important when you're trying to be first to market. Mm-hmm. I feel like that really lends itself more when you're in a tech-based business. Yeah. More so than any other type of business, okay. I feel like if you're if you're more of a tech software type business, it definitely does pay to be very fast and be first to market to capture the market share and things like that. I do feel like with other type of businesses that isn't so tech driven and and uh, you know as the main product because mm-hmm. we all using tech in some type of some capacity, in some capacity. Yeah. but if that's not your main offering, I don't know. I just don't feel like you know speed. Is the is the is the top thing, so 
you have a fair point there. Yeah, I think um, just in terms of so you're right. There's some exceptions. So like yeah. again, going back to video, right? If you have if you're one of those people who work in breaking news, mm-hmm. the minute your news is old, it lost all value. Right. So, but that's a very specific example. Oh, so. we might have to do an episode about that, about especially when it comes news. to news speed and technology. Yeah, because oh, yeah, that's a whole nother. Uh, <laughs> it is, and then and then you see the quality going down mm-hmm. in that too with the speed right, being right. Uh, focused on, right. but. Yeah, definitely. Um, though that would be my takeaway: communication speed and quality um, are a big, big deal. So. Uh, definitely. So I would definitely recommend this book. You know, no matter if, no matter what your industry is, or if you're trying to start a business, um, you know, it's not. It doesn't just have to be tech or digital focus. If you're really trying to get insight and trying to uh, start your business, and what's the most lean and efficient way to get out there and start building, definitely would recommend this as a good read to get started. Yeah, definitely. And then again, like I said earlier, creatives, this book is definitely for you too. Don't think it's not. Um, Mm -hmm. You have to rewire the way you're thinking a little bit and realize that your service as a creative is a product in itself. Mm -hmm. Um, So you may have to just put that cap on. But um, once you realize that, it's going to really help you um, understand the concepts of a minimum viable product and how you use a feedback loop to get there. Um, and to get your best MVP that you want to put out there. So, All right. So that's a wrap on this week's episode on The Lean Startup and some of the key takeaways that we got from the book. If you're looking to learn how to start your own business, even if you're not uh, focused on the digital and tech space, mm-hmm. we would definitely recommend you read this book as well. If you have a question you would like us to answer on the show, shoot us a message on any of our social media channels or shoot us an email at questions at businessgrindshow.com. See you again soon. In the meantime, keep grinding. The Business Grind is for entertainment purposes. Opinions expressed are those solely of the host and guests. Please consult with a professional and exercise discretion before engaging in any business endeavors.